Hey everybody, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today, I speak with Judy Komen from Nairobi, Kenya. Judy is a seasoned professional with over 10 years of project management experience. She holds a bachelor's in international business administration and is a PMP certification holder. Over the years, she has developed sector expertise in a variety of industries, including e-commerce, IT, interior design, event planning, and electric mobility. She is presently the general manager of Trike Group, formerly Solar E-Cycles, a Nairobi-based electric vehicle venture that is changing the mobility landscape across the country. During her spare time, Judy likes to go hiking, read, and mentor others. Judy and I spoke about the power of peer coaching and the importance of fostering trust through remote work. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Judy. Welcome to the Everyday Leader podcast. Really excited to speak with you today. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. I'm also very excited to speak to you. So you are the general manager for Trike, uh, and I'm really excited to learn more about uh, what that company does and your role in it. Uh, but as we do here, we, we tend to start by asking for you to share an earlier career experience, maybe a formative experience where you were stepping up into a leadership role for the first time and how that helped you kickstart your uh, journey as a leader and as a manager. Uh, and then we'll get into uh, your current role later in the conversation. So uh, please share. Uh, we'd love to hear um, a story from you on how you first stepped up into a leadership role. All right. Thanks, Chris. So the first time I stepped into a leadership role was on my first job, just right off campus. I was about 24 years old. It was for an e-commerce company called Mama Mike's. So the company did uh, gift gifting online for the Kenyans in the diaspora. And initially I had joined as the customer service representative. And then five months down the line, I got promoted to the team leader. And for me, that was the first time I got to lead a team officially. And I was also quite young. So I just started my first job. I was young. I was still learning how to adjust to the workplace. But then I got this exciting opportunity to lead a team. And I was leading a team of about five, uh, just ensuring that orders have been delivered, that customers have been catered to. And what I really loved about this job is the boss that I worked for at the time. So at this time, my boss uh, had just come from the US and started this company and he allowed us to work remotely. So we started working remotely even before COVID came along and proved that it was possible. So we would work at home and then only go to the office twice a week and we would only go to the office to, to have meetings. So on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Considering this was a gifting business uh, and it's something that is really hands-on, the fact that our boss allowed us to work remotely really shaped on how I looked at work because we had been taught or made to believe that somebody had to be in the office physically for them to perform. But it showed me that people can uh, perform even when they are away from the office. So what this did for me is that I, it helped me not be a micromanager so I won't sit down and 
tick every minute or every hour that you're working and want to see what it is that you're working on. It taught me how to trust the employees and trust that they'll get the job done without necessarily being uh, managed. Even though we had daily meetings where we would do daily, what we call daily stand-up. So we would get into the meeting, have a quick meeting and say what we're working on that day, what is pending, what bottlenecks are there, and then uh, get the rest of the day done. And then we'll have one weekly meeting just to review the team activities. But it, it showed me the, the beauty of trust and trusting employees to do the work that they can. And then it also gave the employees and myself the flexibility of work-life balance uh, because we were gauged on how we perform and not necessarily the hours that we worked. So you could work whatever number of hours during the day and then spend the other hours doing something that you could do. So we, this was good for people who had families or and I would suspect also other people had side hustles, but it never affected the performance of the team. So that really shaped how I looked at work. And I appreciate that because it shaped my look at work at the beginning of my career. So throughout my career, I have, I have worked remotely mostly. I've not had to work in the office all the time. And it has really, really helped because it's so flexible. I don't have to commit every single day. Um, I don't have to think about uh, waking up in the morning and going to work, What, um, how to commit to work. If it's raining, you know, when the weather is really bad, I didn't have to think through that. So it really, it really shaped that. And then another thing that I really loved about the, the boss and which also shaped my leadership is the fact that he trusted me to do the work. So this boss was not very actively involved in the day-to-day -day operations. So I was left to ensure that everything was running smoothly. And then periodically I would touch base with him and give him uh, feedback and how, on how the team is doing. And sometimes he would come for the weekly meetings. Another thing that I also lo loved about this uh, employer is the recognition. So, you know, when you work for a startup, because it was a startup, sometimes the startups might not have the same benefits as an established company. So some things like recognition or birthday celebrations really go a long way in creating motivation for the employees. So over and above the salary and the bonuses and the healthcare packages, you had this um, employer who recognized when you did a nice work and actually mentioned it. Of course, also when there were uh, gaps or things that had not been done, it was also mentioned, but it was done in a way that was not criticizing, but constructive criticism. In fact, that's where I learned what constructive criticism was and how to give constructive um, feedback. Yeah, so I think that has really shaped how I work now. And it has helped me also learn how to relate with people, not on a micromanaging basis, but on a trust basis. Wow. Um, thank you so much for sharing uh, that story, that experience you had. It certainly sounds like it was very uh, instructive to how you approach uh, managing teams and working in a remote uh, setting. And like you mentioned, that was well before, um, you know, COVID made us all uh, grapple with how to uh, work in, in a remote setting and manage teams in remote settings. And you touched on a, a couple of key uh, lessons and, and approaches when it comes to how to, to work on a team and in a remote team that is uh, including recognizing people, uh, trusting people, and, and providing helpful 
uh, constructive feedback. I wanted to double click a little bit on this topic of trust uh, because mm -hmm. like you mentioned, it, it is particularly uh, important when you can't see uh, people working, right? You have to kind of trust them and you have to almost have to um, trust but verify you know, that people are, are delivering on the outcomes that they have been hired uh, to do. And I'm wondering, you know, you said that you see the value of trust and, and uh, now lean on that uh, in your own management style. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, trust has to be earned and, and maintained. And I'm wondering if you have any um, examples where trust was broken uh, and, and how you strike that balance between, you know, giving someone trust that they're doing the, the work uh, and, and in some cases uh, they end up not uh, delivering on that for one reason or another. Uh, do you have any interesting insights uh, in that direction? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So like you said, trust needs to be earned and you you may not trust somebody right off the bat from the time they start working for you or underneath you. So I think the most important thing that a manager needs to know is to know how to read people and know how to classify personalities, so to speak. So remote working, I'll admit, is not for everybody because it requires a certain level of discipline and commitment. And you might find instances where somebody will take advantage of that situation. In the past, I've had somebody working remotely and running their business concurrently. I don't really have a problem with somebody running their own businesses. I have a problem when their business begins to affect their performance and their uh, ability to deliver. So it's important to, to have a clear set of roles and activities and tasks that needs to be performed, as well as the duration in which you want this thing done. And over time, you can tell when somebody is not doing the work that they should do. And based on your conversation with them, you can tell what makes them not perform. So sometimes it could be bottlenecks in the company, but sometimes you can realize there's something else that is taking their attention. So I've had a situation where I had such a person working, reporting to me, and they were giving more time to their businesses. And unfortunately, we had to let this person go. But even by the time you let somebody go, of course, you have had conversation with them and pointed out the shortcoming. You have tried to resolve this. And then if it gets to the point where you can resolve it and you see this issue is still persisting and there's no willingness on their part to improve, then you have to make the hard decision and let them go, which was what happened in this case. Definitely. Um, thank you for, for taking us through that. And it sounds like uh, you've learned, you know, uh, through through practice uh, how to, to manage those types of cases. Um, so I want to uh, have us now go to your current role. Um, you joined uh, Trike uh, close to two years ago, and I understand that they uh, help operate it and sell solar e-cycles in Kenya. Um, so can you share a bit more about what uh, Trike does and, and how your current role uh, contributes to the mission? So Trike is an electric mobility company that is based in Nairobi, Kenya. So we do electric bicycles, electric motorcycles, and electric tricycles. Some of our tricycles are also solar powered. And 
the company is seeking to improve transportation for the smallholder farmers in rural sub-Saharan Africa. So we're making transport accessible and more affordable to smallholder farmers because you find that they spend a lot of money on transportation and sometimes this transportation is not reliable because they may not own their own vehicle. Um, they need to rely on somebody else to provide that service. So we are bridging the gap between the, the farmer and uh, the market in way of logistics to be specific. So I joined Trike two years ago as um, in operations and then I recently got promoted to the GM role. This is actually a very recent promotion, maybe a month, a month in. Uh, but previously I had served in operations. Um, so for me, when I look at a GM role, I see the GM role in, in shaping the work environment, allocating resources, developing other managers and employees, building the organization and overseeing the operations of the whole company. So, you know, when you look at a company, there's the service and the product that they offer, but then there are all these other moving parts in the background that without which this service or this product will not get to the market. So sometimes um, you might find organization really focusing on, on the product, but they forget how to, to look through how to get to the customer, how to educate the customer, even how to keep the employees motivated because you might have the best product or the best service, but if you don't have employees who are motivated or you don't have the technical expertise in the team, then that product will not make sense or will not make any money. So for me, I see my role as a GM is ensuring that every moving part from customer engagement, stakeholder engagement, employee um, management, and financial management in bringing this product to the market. So ensure that the company is successful by streamlining operations, um, both for the product and the employees and the customers. Well, uh, congrats on your recent promotion. And uh, Trike sounds like it's doing some incredible work. Uh, reminds me of uh, some of the products I was hoping to sell the farmers in some of my past roles. But and it sounds like you guys are doing just that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it sounds like you had been working in, in an operations role and uh, it was ready for you to, to step up into a broader leadership role. And I, I'm sure that's a result of uh, your contributions in that operations capacity. And uh, you know, I'm curious uh, in the past, uh, what, what types of bold bets or uh, key strategies were you um, behind in terms of helping drive forward the business model um, that you can share in terms of ways that you have um, stepped up uh, as a leader, helped you know, enable an environment where Trike can uh, be innovative and pursue that mission you've taken us through. Okay, so to answer your question, Chris, I, I need to go back to a bit of my background. So for the last 11 years, I have purely worked for startups. So I have worked for startups in different industries, uh, the e-commerce that I spoke about earlier, interior design, events management, IT, and now e-mobility. So I really understand the startup space. I understand the pains that startups go through. And mostly it's usually structure, structure and talent management. Because you'll find that the founders of these startups are so focused on the product or the idea or the service that sometimes all these other things can get overlooked or it's just that they do not have the capacity to deal with that. So because of 
time constraint or scale constraint. Also, you recognize that with startups, the funds are limited. So you might not be able to employ the, the expertise that you need. And you will find that there are people who work multiple roles in a startup. And I have found myself in that situation a lot of times, um, working in HR, working in finance. I, I, I'm, I'm quite good with numbers. I have no problem with numbers and Excel sheets and budgets. Uh, so that's something that I've found that have worked on throughout my career, actually. And for me, when I came into this company, I helped put some structures in place. So um, in terms of money management, how do we manage our money? How do we report um, to the board? How do we ensure that the company is running smoothly and there's runway for people to be paid? Um, also ensuring that even the employees, if there are certain things that needs to be taken care of by employees, I ensure that that is done. So I have found myself in roles where I'm doing a number of things at the same time, but I also understand the, the, the strains with, with startups. And it's not, all, it's not all startups, but most startups when they're starting. So I, I, I can say the biggest contribution is for me managing. I'm very good at organizing, Chris. I'm very good at, at ensuring that things have been done. Um, as long as it is clear what needs to be done, I am very good at, at executing. So I think... I believe that's the strength that I brought into, into Trike as an individual that saw me um, get promoted um, twice because I, I came in as just an operations associate, then I got to operations manager, and then now the general manager role. Amazing. Um, so it, it sounds like you have really leveraged this startup uh, experience and mentality to uh, your role with trike and um you know in your role uh you mentioned earlier how you had uh, already been uh, adaptive to things like uh, remote work uh, i'm interested to hear how trike uh, as an innovative company has uh, brought in other types of um you know futuristic ways of working uh, or other types of uh, employee engagement uh, that you would want to showcase to us today? Yeah, interestingly also, I mean, remote work is something that Trike has implemented, especially in the past towards uh, the period when COVID was really high and ripe here in Kenya and in the world. So remote work is something and virtual con contribution is something that we have um, implemented and continue to implement even until now. Even though at the place where the company is now, um, there's a lot of hands-on engagement that needs to happen. So we are not fully remote at the moment, but we're also trying to automate some processes such that um, once these processes have been automated, we won't have to work remotely. So something that I forgot to mention about Trike is that we are now also doing deliveries. So we're doing deliveries using the electrical bikes and we are targeting SMEs here in Nairobi to deliver their goods for them. And it's mostly fast moving goods. So we are currently creating an, an in-house um, software that will automate that process. Because right now it's, it's, it's pretty much still manual because we still have to work with spreadsheets and SMSs and calls, but we're working on a system that will be able to automate that process such that when the order has been placed by the client, the rider automatically gets a notification 
And then once the order has been delivered, the writer is able to update that on the system. Then we get a notification as well as the customer gets a notification. So once that automation has been has been implemented, then now we can at least go back to, to being, well, not fully remote, but hybrid. So some days in the office and some days um, working remotely. The other thing I would say that we have done uh, is the um, virtual collaboration. So um, implementing softwares that enable us to collaborate even if we are not at the same place at the same time. So instant messaging, um, online documentations, and, and uh, video conferencing through times when it's needed. And it helps that we have used just one software that will be able to give us all those features because if we had something else, we had something different from video conferencing, something different from instant messaging, then it would be too much for the team. But having one, one company that provides all these uh, solutions in one has really helped because um, we're actually moving away from, from uh, paper and physical receipts and physical documents. So having this document online and accessible to to us anywhere has, has really helped us um, be more collaborative at work and enhanced communication at the office. And speak to us a little bit more about uh, your your current team. So uh, I imagine it's still relatively small uh, as you guys grow. Um, mm -hmm. What does the team look like? Uh, what are some ways in which you, you work with your team and, and what have you found uh, most challenging so far uh, in your your new role as general manager. Um, so the team is made up of both um, technicians, so people who understand the EV and manage them. Then we also have the writers who do the deliveries, and then we have um, the directors, as well as the as well as now the administrative staff, which is myself and somebody else. I would say when managing teams in this role and even just in, in previously is people management. That is usually the, the, the first hurdle that you have to overcome. So what I mean is this, I can't treat every employee the same. I can't have the same expectations throughout, across the board because people are different. They have different backgrounds in terms of cultures. They have different ways of working. And I can't expect everybody to work at the same pace or at the same level. So it's getting to understand people in the individual level and then understand their personality. I'll give you an example of a previous um, uh, employee that I worked with at a previous workplace. This person would constantly come to me to ask questions on what to do. And I used to get very frustrated because I, I, I never used to understand why would this person ask me such simple questions that they could easily do by themselves. It's something that they, I looked at it as pretty obvious, but it was not obvious to them. And, and I came to realize later that his personality is the kind of personality that wants to be direct, given direction. They're not very um, innovative or somebody who would go out of the way to do something. However, on the plus side, they are very loyal. So once they know what they're doing, they'll actually get it done. So getting to understand how people work um, is very important. And is usually like, I, for me, I feel like the first hurdle, which is usually like the forming and the storming stage of team formation. 
But once you, you, um, you're done with that stage, then working becomes, becomes easy. And then just ensuring that people actually do the work and ensuring that they stay motivated. Um, noticing when that team members who have been demotivated, trying to understand what's, what motivates them. Some people are motivated by new, um, new challenges. Some people are motivated by salaries, which is okay. Some people are motivated by uh, praises and promotions. So it's just trying to understand each person and how they work and trying to get them as comfortable as possible to get the work done. And you know, in your, your manager career so far, um, how have you gone about making sure that you're continually growing and becoming you know, self-aware and adapting to uh, this? It sounds like you know, from what you've shared already, you uh, are aware of you know, concepts like the <laughs> getting teams to work together and the different phases that teams naturally go through. So it sounds like you've been very you know, attentional about being aware of, of such uh, tendencies and in, in, uh, trying to show up as a leader uh, in your best way as a prepared uh, manager. What are some of the the initiatives that you've taken yourself, either with your company or on your own, to um, continually improve on that? Mm, okay. So the, the, the thing that I have done is continuously learn. So this means I have taken some courses that are some courses online. I have been in situations where I'm networking with people who I can learn from, and I'll give you specific examples. So in my previous roles, I have found myself managing projects. And in 2021, I came to the decision to get a certification for project management. So get to learn the technicalities of project management and then be able to apply that to to my role. So I took a project management professional certification from the PMI um, Institute. And then I've also um, been doing online courses. So sometimes I'll take an online course on process management and improving processes. I have taken leadership courses previously online. And then I also belong to a book club. So I am in a, a women's only book club where we get to read different books every time. So sometimes we'll read books on management, sometimes we'll read uh, fictional books. And you see, when you read these books, you get to learn new things. Uh, when you interact with other people, you also get to see different um, sides to certain situations. And then also recently joining Coffee Chats, your, your platform for peer coaching has really helped because I get to speak to other professionals in my field and express to them some uh, challenges that I'm facing and by extension get the experience and the help that I need. And then I also try to improve myself in a way of speaking. So I'm now um, ready to join like a Toastmasters club uh, nearby Nairobi so that I can improve my presentation skills. Um, I'm also part of the project management, project management uh, group here in Kenya. So PMI has chapters in different countries. So I'm part of the chapter here in Kenya, I get to interact with other project managers. I go for learning events. We have learning events every month, every two weeks actually, where people come to speak about different things. So it's really been a mix of of, of structural learning and informal learning. Wow, that that is a lot that you are pursuing. That's really uh, inspiring uh, to hear. I mean, 
book clubs, public speaking, peer coaching. Uh, it seems like you're doing uh, doing it all. I do uh, selfishly want to double click on your experience with Coffee Chat's peer coaching network that you mentioned you joined several months back. Could you maybe speak a little bit more about how specifically that um, you know, engagement has uh, supported you as a manager? Mm-hmm. So, so I joined uh, the Coffee Chat platform in December of last year, that is December of 2022, and I had my first chat with a lady from one of the water distribution companies here in Kenya. It's a global company, but they have a branch here in Kenya. And, and initially when I joined um, Coffee Chat, I mean, I, I, I knew what to expect, but I, I got what I expected, which was the ability to speak to other professionals on my level. But in addition to that, I also got a customer, which was very exciting. So how this happened is we had a chat. And as we were chatting, I explained to her what I did. She explained to me what she did. And then she mentioned in passing that they had been thinking of getting electric motorbikes for their water distribution. At that time, we didn't really speak about it. We just stuck to, to the agenda, which was the peer coaching. And then it was also towards the holidays. So we didn't really speak about it. But in January, now we... we uh, reignited the conversation and then we ended up leasing two of the motorcycles to them for just for a trial and for them to prove technical viability and then now that translated into a sale so I was very excited and to me that proved that coffee chat worked and and I'll even say that they that company is also part of, of coffee chat and even for them to see that relationship translating into something that helped them solve a problem also really really endeared it to them and it was it was so exciting and I'm really actually quite grateful to this platform. Well that's amazing. Uh, you know th- there's three key benefits uh, that we intend for the peer coaching network. One of them is high impact networking. So it sounds like that has uh, already worked uh, for you in terms of business development. The other two mm-hmm. are you know building your own peer coaching skills through active listening, asking powerful questions, sharing interesting and timely you know anecdotes uh, to to coach someone else uh, on some challenge or opportunity they're they're going through and also that you know to help you on some kind of issue where an external perspective could be helpful i'm wondering if you can share maybe a story uh, that has come up in in one of your initial peer coaching uh, conversations obviously uh, without any private details about how you've either uh, developed or practiced one of those skills or that you've walked away uh, with maybe a different perspective, a different way of looking at a key challenge or opportunity you're facing uh, aside from that uh, business opportunity that came from that first call? Mm, okay. So, so, so the peer coaching has some structure in which we, we follow. So we, we go through a course on how to, to, um, to provide the services for the for the counterpart, so I think for me, active listening is something that I really now had to practice quite a lot because you really have to listen to this person and understand what the problem is, and not just answer for the sake of answering, but actually help them um, help them um, solve the problem that they are encountering in their workplace or in their personal life. Because I've had an instance where we even the, the issue that was addressed was a personal issue on how to deal with 
um, a challenge that I had in that personal relationship. And I think the thing that I really loved about uh, Coffee Chat is that the matches have, have, very, have been very, very timely. So like even for the person that I was speaking to on a personal level, at that time, it came. It, it, it was very timely because even as we are having this conversation and as we are brainstorming with the solution, it also made me reflect on some things that I was going through and and how to to deal with um, with such things. And it also I mean, another session also gave me a, a different perspective on how to reach uh, people because I was trying to um, to make some contacts and this person gave me ideas on how. Um, to network and to be able to reach the people that I wanted. Amazing. That's so true that, you know, when you are having a peer coaching conversation with someone and someone else brings up a challenge that they're facing, it, it naturally has you think about, wow, that's very similar to something I'm also dealing with. And by having that brainstorming session, you almost walk away with some interesting insights on how to deal with similar challenges of your own and having that kind of that mirror uh, in a sense, uh, can be quite uh, enlightening, especially when you're when you're then you know helping them identify some options on the way forward. Mm-hmm. You realize, oh wow, maybe I can also listen to this kind of advice of my own too <laughs> in my uh, life. So glad to hear that uh, those sessions have been helpful and timely. Um, I'd love for you to to reflect. You know, holistically, you mentioned all the the different initiatives from the public speaking to the peer coaching to the book clubs to the project management uh, certification and, and uh, uh, membership association you're a part of, you know, you've come a long way uh, with those and, and with your role now. Um, when you think about yourself as a leader right now, compared with that initial role you, you took us through earlier when you first joined um, uh, Mama Mike's, the, the gifting mm-hmm. company, how would you how would you compare yourself? What what are the biggest uh, growth areas that you have made uh, in in over the years? And is there a superpower that maybe you have honed in on uh, that you tend to uh, leverage the most? Mm-hmm. So, to, I think I have grown as a person in terms of my emotional intelligence because when I was twenty four, I really didn't have my people's skills aligned. So right now I am more understanding. I'm able to understand people better. And it also helps that it has it, it comes also with edge. As you as you grow older, you see a lot of things, you experience a lot of things, you meet a lot of people, and it reshapes how you look at things and how you look at the world. So it has really helped me to be also very self-aware uh, so that I can I'm able to recognize my weaknesses, um, my areas of improvement, and then I'm also more understanding of other people. I am not very critical, um, especially when work has not been done. Previously, I would want to know why this job hasn't been done from a technical point of view, but now I can understand it from a human point of view and get to understand why hasn't this task been completed. Is it a technical issue or is it a personal issue or a skill issue? So I'm not quick um, to jump into conclusions. Um, I think one of the superpowers that I've been able to hone is my empathy. I'm naturally an empath. 
um, which has his its good sides and bad sides. With its good side is that I'm able to identify with people. I'm able to understand people and their emotions. And at this point in my career and in my life, I have learned to look at the intention more than the action because the intention speaks more than the action. So if people down their tools today and say, we are going on a strike, we're not working, I need to understand what is it that makes them want to down their tools? Is it because they feel like they're not being hard? Is it because they feel like they don't have adequate tools to perform their jobs? So when you understand the intention, when you understand the person, it's easier for you to deal with the situation, right? And when you look at the workplace now, even this year, it's becoming more human-centric. So employees are now being treated like customers. Previously, you'd had the customers treated better than the employees, but now you, we realize that employees are very important in the workplace because they're the ones who drive your company, they're the ones who drive um, the success of the company. So being more human-centric has really, has really helped me. And then if you look at my experience, I have worked in several industries. Even though my role has largely remained the same, which is operations and project management, I have had to adapt to that industry. So, for example, when I was in interior design, I had to understand what tiling entails, what are the products that are used in tiling, what sort of paints are used indoors, what paint is used outdoors. I had to understand how do you quantify how much it's going to cost for you to do a certain project. So I'm able to adapt to a certain industry, get to understand it, because even for me as a project manager or just as a manager, I need to understand the technicality of an industry so that I can know whether what is being presented to me by the technical team is the reality. So you say this thing will take a week to do. Is that the reality or are you telling me this uh, because you just want to have extra days? And I'll give you an example. When I just started in interior design, I realized that the amount of materials that we were purchasing was more than enough. So you'd have um, surplus of materials remaining after at the end of the project. And then I came to realize it's just some cultures with some fundes is um, they can they tend to over quote the quantities of materials because they expect that they'd be the one purchasing it, so they would have the extra money. But you see now if the tables are turned and it is the client or myself as the project manager that is doing the purchasing, it means that they, they, they don't have that extra money because what they do is they overshoot the materials and then reduce the labor. So now if I understand the quantities and how to calculate the quantities, then I'm able to translate the quotation that they have given me or the budget they have given me and assess how realistic it is. It's also uh, good for me to adapt so that I'm able to speak to the customer. I may not understand the real deep technical, but I need to understand like the basic for me to be able to explain to a customer this thing works this way, this system works this way. And then if there are any deep technical questions, get help from IT. So I think those are the two things, my ability to be empathetic and my adaptability. Wow. Well, it definitely sounds like that, you know, that empathy and adaptability has uh, treated you well and, and treated 
uh, trike really well as you guys uh, expand and uh, innovate within within the uh, mobility and uh, e-bike sector uh, within Kenya mm -hmm. and beyond. So thank you so much for reflecting and sharing uh, about your journey. Just as we start to, to wrap up for today, I'd mm -hmm. love to hear if there are any other trends that you're seeing uh, in your sector, uh, whether it's you know, related to e-mobility or just work in general, we'd love to uh, give you that space to share any further insights. Mm. Okay, actually this question applies both to work and e-mobility space. So the e-mobility industry in Kenya is, is a bit young, young in the sense that in the last two years is when we've seen vehicles actually present on the roads and in the market. So previously, most of the players would do a lot of R&D, so a lot of research and development, um, adapting the already existing vehicles to the African market. And now we are seeing that slowly and surely, the industry now needs to adapt in terms of skills. So this skill set in the specific organization, but since this is a transport um, sector, and there are very many players. These now skills need to be translated to other people who are not necessarily in these organizations. So it's not something that is being really overlooked. I, I think it's just that the market had yet to get there, but now we're getting to the place where we need to now think about trainings in, in schools, in the tertiary institutions, um, trainings of the informal market, the mechanics who are by the roadside fixing vehicles because for, the, for this industry to grow and for people to adapt to the EV, uh, to the electric vehicles, then there has to be one, uh, charging infrastructure, and two, there has to be uh, maintenance, uh, ability for people to walk into any mechanic shop and have their EV fixed. So I think there's going to be a lot of upskilling in this industry um, in, the, in the next few years. Even as we learn from the West and adapt to, to our current market, there's going to be a lot of upskilling and uh, there's going to be um, a lot of, of, of um, apprenticeship that needs to happen. Uh, so the organizations that are already uh, doing electric mobility, inviting other people to come and, and train them on how to maintain um, these vehicles. Amazing. Uh, that's that's really insightful and also really uh, promising to hear of those uh, trends and advancements. Um, so, Judy, it's been incredible to hear about you and your journey and trike today. Uh, I appreciate your time and I look forward to continuing to follow you on your journey. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. It's also been nice for me to reflect on my career journey and just seeing the things that I may have forgotten. So it's been very refreshing for me to have this conversation. Thank you for having me.